Hey there, folks. Welcome back to the What the Futures podcast. Here we are, episode number 11, brought to you by John Deere. Not sure if you caught the announcement here um, last week, I guess it was last week now, between uh, SpaceX and John Deere, uh, a uh, strategic um, partnership between space, uh, SpaceX uh, to expand rural connectivity to farmers through satellite communications. I am excited to see what this all means, what this looks like uh, in the future. Of course, uh, internet service across rural areas uh, has not been perfect. Starlink, I know I've been subscribed for a couple of years. It's helped us out in our area tremendously. And uh, I'm excited to see what Starlink has uh, in store with John Deere, John Deere Operations Center, and the whole JD Link system. Uh, we'll get going in the U.S. and Brazil, and uh, we'll see what this looks like for us in Canada here in the near future. So that was a big announcement out of Deere here in the last uh, week or so. Um, all right. Uh, typically, we get these out on Positive Friday, but uh, that travel uh, to Brandon last week really uh, messed up with my my schedule, my recording schedule, and I've had some tech issues as well so fingers crossed that we get uh this episode uh, in the can and out the door uh sometime here uh early in the week uh positive moments for the week i went to of course manitoba egg days uh certainly it's always positive to connect with farmers face to face uh you know seeing some farms that i visited you know back in 2019 2020 um haven't seen them since then great to to have a beverage and just uh, uh connect again uh see some familiar faces and uh, i always like looking at you know the other booths what's going on um and uh farm shows are always uh, a lot of fun uh, travel wasn't very fun but it never is in the winter time, and hey, I got there and back in one piece, so really can't complain. Uh, my other positive moment for the week is that uh, uh, one of my pals, um, a farmer, uh, got paid in full for the grain that they delivered. Now you might be uh, wondering why this would be a positive moment because isn't that normal? <laughs> um, well, it should be, uh, but there are times where it's not, and uh, stressful. A couple of weeks, uh, basically a stressful month. Um, but uh, Christie's farm has been paid in full here finally, and uh, we are actually gonna. She's gonna join me here uh, later on in the week, and we're gonna talk about the, the situation in more detail. And uh, I'm gonna release that as a separate episode uh, at some point. So a uh, positive moment, uh, Christy and her farm getting uh, their money that they should have received all along, but took uh, a couple months longer to get it than, than normal. Uh, all right, I've got some additional housekeeping items here. I, I'm looking for three farmers to join me on the podcast, roundtable discussions uh, that we'll record. All you need is like a computer or a cell phone. Uh, headphones are great if you can have those as well. They make you look really cool. Um, that's all they're useful for, actually. There's nothing coming through here. So um, it's just for looks. But if you have that, you can certainly join me on the podcast. I'm looking to record, you know, February, April, July, November. Maybe July we all get together. Uh, whoever joins me, have a, a beverage and record. Um I'll get you a nice Christmas present as well here this year. Um, it's super easy. I'll email you the questions beforehand, but looking for a grower in Manitoba, one in Saskatchewan, one in Alberta, 
and uh, we'd even take a fourth from the mighty peace region as well um so if you want to come chat on the podcast we're just going to talk about uh, um, trends issues um highlights and uh and put those out uh, regularly so let me know uh, ryan at what the futures podcast uh, .ca. that's my email address um one more housekeeping thing and uh i just want to highlight here our, our phone number again one 606 1889 uh that's one way that you can connect with the show um i uh I put this out last week, but if you text Nashville to that phone number that I just read, you get your name entered to win, potentially win, a trip for two to Music City. All righty. We're going to draw for this sometime in March. Uh, this is the first chance or opportunity to get entered. There'll be multiple ways. And you might be wondering, well, Ron, why are you pushing us towards this cell or this, pardon me, towards this phone number? Well, strategically enough or easy enough i would like to communicate with you uh during the busy growing season and i feel that text message is the best way to do that now i have to pay for each each message that i put out so i'm not going to bombard you with information uh, but if uh it might just be a nice way to stay in touch as you're busy planting growing and harvesting crops in 2024 again that's nashville one eight five five six zero six one eight eight nine. You can always opt out as well after the fact. If you're not thrilled with getting those text messages, opt out. Won't bug you again. Uh, the show is on YouTube. Videos strictly on YouTube moving forward. Uh, we've got uh, presence on X, Instagram, Facebook, and of course the website with thefuturespodcast.ca. Give us a like, subscribe, give us feedback, comments. I appreciate it. And it helps the show become more relevant as well. Um, what else do I have? Okay. Well, let's just jump into, this is still housekeeping, but I put out like a bonus episode, the Lunch Pail Crew episode number one. And, and this is going to be, uh, this is going to evolve over the year. And this is where we're going to do our hard work. Okay. Our, and our big, um, you know, big thoughts and ideas, um, strategies are all going to find themselves into the lunch pail crew episodes over time. But the feedback I got was that the episode was a little bit negative, a little bit bearish, not very pleasant. And I just wanted to clear the air. It was, you know, 2024 predictions, latest crop rankings. I know it felt negative, but I want to let you know I'm traditionally not a bearish person. I'm, I traditionally don't like jumping on to the negativity. I'm, I'm an optimist. I'm positive to a fault at times. And I like being a bull. Like all of you. Everyone likes being bullish. Uh, but we are in a bearish pattern. And uh, most of the crops, uh, prices are trending lower in, into 2025. And I'm just trying to be... Um, realistic or, or, you know, reasonable. I don't know if that's the right word to throw in there, but I know markets go up and down. They don't go straight down forever, like in a straight line. And I expect rallies and I expect strong pricing opportunities. And I expect the highs of the year, you know, in the spring and so on and so forth. I, I think seasonals come into play here in, in 2024. Think of crop marketing prior to maybe 2021. Um, you know, going back to 
basics. Um, and so the episode may have come out as negative or not overly optimistic, but I, I'm I'm certainly no uh, no genius here behind the microphone. If if I was, I wouldn't be behind the microphone, right? Um, but I, I hope that I can provide a perspective, and that you can take that perspective and turn that into a better decision for your farm in 2024 and beyond. If I was very like bullish and thought prices were going higher, I would say that. Um, and I will say that at times throughout uh, the year. I might even say it later in this episode, right? So again, not trying to add to your stress level by by any means. Um, just trying to put my thoughts out there on what I see transpiring, all right? Okay, so in this episode, we've got um, we got some news. Uh, I know I'm not the source of news, but a couple things that I want to talk about. Um, I, I've talked to a bunch of farmers lately as well, so I want to give you some of the some general themes and comments about those discussions. Um, I've got a, a new crop pricing update for you, um, and we'll chat futures for just a second. Uh, of course, we'll eat our veggies because it's the responsible thing to do. And uh, what I mean by that is I've got four things for you to focus on from a, a business perspective for your farming operation. And then we'll just wrap up the show. So uh, short and sweet here uh, for episode number 11. Now, uh, general comments. I've, uh, I've chatted with a lot of growers here lately. And I know that um, there is the comments and the themes out there that uh you know farmers are like 20 percent sold um and 80 percent unpriced uh for grain in the bins and uh, you can see the cats behind me and she's gonna jump on my back any moment so i've uh i'm on edge over here um anyways um so unpriced grain 80 percent that is the rumor and i've heard this for both the us and for canada now I can't really speak about the U.S. Maybe that's correct. Um, I've got some friends I can reach out to in the U.S. and see what they tell me. But for Canadian farmers, I feel that we are like half sold. About half, maybe a bit more. And that's actually not that far off the crop year as well. And, you know, you could say, Ryan, you're wrong, blah, blah, blah. You know, come at me. Uh, I, I can take it. But I'm going to put us at about half, Okay. And here are the crops that I believe are the most sold. And then you can throw in your mix in here as well. But in my opinion, remember, I'm not a professional, folks, so please seek the advice of one. But I'm going to put peas in like the 90% sold range. Maple pea, green pea, sold, gone, 99, 100%. There's barely any of those out there already. Um, yellow peas, I, I'd still call those like 85, 90% sold right now. Like I, I believe we're in the nineties as a whole for peas. Okay. Then from there, I'm going to go over to malt barley and I'm going to put malt barley in that same basket. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're listening and you got unsold malt barley. Maybe you do. I, I really doubt it though. I don't know anyone that was like bowled up on malt barley as a grower and has held on to all their malt barley looking for a big rally. I, I haven't seen those or have been a part of those conversations. Um, so I think malt barley's priced. Then I'm going to switch over to lentils, green lentils, small, large green lentils. I'm assuming those are mostly gone. 
prices are, are historically high. And red lentils, you know, not as much sold, but I'm still going to put you at 70%, something like that. Durham, I'd say that's 60 to 70% priced as well. Hasn't been a lot of fun marketing Durham or I guess many of these crops with a downward price pressure, but it's a lot of Durham sold. And same thing with feed barley. Are any of you holding on to half of your feed barley right now? I don't know. I don't think so. I think there's, again, 60, 70% of that feed barley is is priced. And wheat, I've got that now at like 55, 60% sold and climbing every moment. By the time you listen to this, there's more wheat sold. There's a lot of wheat getting sold right now. And there should be. Sell your wheat. Everybody should be selling their wheat. Unless you want to hold that one, you know, lucky, um, I was going to say bingo card, but that doesn't really make sense. But you know, that waiting for that one big spring rally. Okay, fine. But other than that, folks, um, you know, there's Chinese demand is good, but for U.S. wheat and Canadian wheat. But other than that, what are we going to rally on? All right. Uh, so if wheat's every day is climbing. Now, canola is light. Canola, you know, 35, maybe 40% sold. I might be shy on that. There might be more canola sold than that. Okay. And then flax, I'm just confused on. But I did see today like $14.50 to $16 flax. So maybe flax is moving again and, and that's gone. Um, there's also a tremendous uh, need for cash during uh, Jan, Feb, March. So I believe that there's at least half the crop sold as a whole across the prairies. Now, if you had you know, half canola and half spring wheat and you're 35 and 50% sold, then okay, yeah. But even then... Uh, you're not uh, 20% sold. So I don't know, folks. Maybe I'm uh, in denial here, but I, I believe we have more crops sold than than what's being reported out there. Um, second thing, general comments from discussions from farmers, basis contracts. Yuck. You guys are, are fearless. You have to be fearless because you are holding a basis contract in a market that is trending lower and has been trending lower since you put the crop in the bin. So you're fearless, in my opinion, and there are a lot of basis contracts, and I do not like it one bit. But two, that was 2A. 2B is that you're all bullish, okay? And, and I never didn't meet any farmers that sat there and said, I'm neutral to the market or I think the market's going down. I have not found that grower in my conversations here uh, the last little while. So you're all bullish. You all have basis contracts. I'm terrified. You are fearless. And all the best to you. Best of luck. Um, crop plans. 2024 crop plans. Very much uh, not set. They are in flux. Uh, crop plans are a work in progress. And I'm not sitting here saying that you're debating between 15 crops and you may plant, you know, maple peas for the first time of your career on all your acres. Like I'm not, that's not what you're going to plant your wheat and your canola and your lentils and your barley. But there is, the, the crop plans aren't quite set. What percentage of your farm of, of each? And um, I, I think there's going to be that debate all the way until at least insurance values come out uh then once you start to see what those numbers look like you might say okay well i'm well insured on on uh, you know this crop versus that one i'm going to put in a few more acres there i think that's going to be very important in setting our acres here in 2024 
And then from the business side of farming, uh, less capital purchases or no capital purchases. So a little quiet on, on the equipment side, uh, a little quiet on the farmland side. Now, you know, this is maybe area specific at times, um, but prices on the decline and everyone's just uh, uh, going to keep an eye on, on their budgets and numbers here for 2024. So I, I have a lot of talk about less equipment. So apologies, John Deere. I know you're our great sponsor of the show, um, but uh, that's what I'm hearing out there. Um, all right. And then just a side note, cash rent, though, if we want to like isolate something, cash rent is through the roof. And I know that it's I, like, who am I to criticize, right? Who am I to sit here and criticize? But uh, some of you, I, I just say like, you, you, I think you're, you're, you're drunk on 2022, all right? And you got to sober up into 2024 because uh, the numbers are different uh, in 2024 and 2025. And hey, if you know your numbers and you have your business plan and you're out there expanding, all the power to you. Uh, well done. Um, but uh, cash rent values are are mind-blowing for, for a lot of areas, okay? Uh, all right. Uh, I, I usually don't like chatting about a whole bunch of news because it's a podcast and who knows when you're actually going to tune in. But I got a couple stories here and maybe there's some bigger themes behind them and I just want you to take note of the bigger themes. The first one though, I'm just going to dive into this canola carryover debacle. So you've got line companies, you know, 5 million tons of canola carryover or greater up to 6 million tons. And everybody is allowed their own opinion. Everybody is allowed to do the math. But just let's do my quick math, okay? Just for just to help me sleep at night. So we produced 18.3 million tons of canola. And yes, we can debate this uh, as much as you want, but 18.3 million tons. Carryover, 1.5. Okay, 19.8 million tons. We're going to crush 10.5 at least. And I put my export number at 5.5, which is low. Okay, so 16 million tons of canola that we're going to export and crush. Now, I didn't even, I haven't even used uh, dockage in here yet for a couple of percent. I haven't used waste. Um, you know, the stuff that heats, all that stuff. I haven't even included any of that in here. And I'm coming up with a carryover number of 3.8 million tons. Now, some of you will say, well, Ryan, StatsCan is wrong. That yields higher. All right, let's add a million tons, okay? So now we're at 20.8 million tons of canola. But if you're going to do that, um, do we increase exports to 11 million tons then? Because we could do that. We could hit that level. And what happens if we put exports to 6 million tons, which with the exception of, I think, last year would be very low. Okay. I think we're typically 7, 8, 9 uh, million tons. So there goes your million. We're back to my 3.8. So you know, do you want to add another million tons to canola? Like, I, again, we can, these are numbers we can debate and argue them all day long. Five seems high. Uh, two seems low. I don't know. Three and a half seems pretty reasonable in my opinion. Now, if you're listening to that and saying, well, Ryan, that's three and a half million tons of carryover canola in a market that's trending lower. Bang on. You are bang on. My opinion only. Be careful. 
but uh, try not to be one of the people carrying that canola over, okay? Um, we can talk about oil seeds in a moment here, but uh, again, um, it's a market that is trending lower, and with normal production, again, that's a wild card. We don't know what production is going to be, but prices trending lower. Okay, a couple other stories. China, this is a big one. Um, expected to import 20% less soybeans year over year in quarter one, okay? Now, this is due to African swine fever or flu. I can't remember which one it is. I think it's fever, uh, shrinking hog inventory. And China's also working their butts off to figure out how to feed less, feed less soy meal, okay? So um, this is pretty, pretty big. It could be the smallest imports in the first quarter since 2020, and crush margins are terrible. So there's no appetite to be aggressive on buying soybeans. Okay. They did import a record last year, though. But these are stories that we have to keep in mind. Um, it does impact, potentially impact the, the uh, trend of oil seed values moving forward. Uh, other than that, I wanted to just talk about Ukraine was on the offensive, uh, attacking uh, specifically a, a fuel export terminal, a Russian one. Um, I said it in my predictions episode that I expect tension to increase and it to be a little bit more volatile in Ukraine and Russia this year. And um, so I just wanted to highlight that. And then for weather, Australia under a heat wave, tremendous heat wave, El Nino weather pattern. We have to keep that on our radar as well. It gets more important um, as we get into the growing season down in Australia. And then on the flip side, record cold snap across the U.S., which wants us to wants to make us bullish winter wheat, um, but we'll, we will need some further information um, and uh, see how that crop exits dormancy here in March. And then lastly, the Viterra workers in Saskatchewan agreed to a new contract averting a strike. So there we go. That's good news. Okay, folks, um, as you can see, I'm a little bit sassy here for today. But um, let's switch over to some prices for 2024. And part of eating your veggies here for this episode is just dust off that that crop marketing plan. I know it's maybe in the office or in the shop. Uh, the 2024 crop marketing plan has like a layer of dust on it uh, because nobody really wants to look at it uh, for the fall. And beyond of 2024, it it's not that fun, um, and markets are not fun right now. But just dust it off wherever it is. Dust it off and uh, get it freshened up and uh, put it right on the desk because you got work to do. All right, green peas trading 13 and 14 dollars a bushel. Uh, depending on where you are across the prairies, that's for fall with active God. I'll throw in there as well. Um, I think the kids say it, uh, they call it like, or maybe it's professional um, actors or, or sports stars, but they call it securing the bag, I think is what they say. Like go get that margin and secure it. Uh, Cause it's a, it's a good one for you in 2024. Uh, yellow peas, nine to $10 with act of God. Maple peas, 18. Again, folks, we got some margin there to go, go grab. Okay. Um, feed barley values, 685 to seven delivered. I, I don't really, that's not really an update, but 
do you know work the math backwards to your farm and just see what that looks like for a margin in 24 might be worth taking a look at uh, malt again at 650 doesn't get me that excited but that's all i'm still kind of seeing out there uh, old prices in alberta sliding here a little bit below the five dollar level um high fours and i did get a quote out of agt in aberdeen north of saskatoon at four bucks um so old values just sliding a little bit in alberta not so much Saskatchewan, Manitoba, but just something to keep an eye on there. And, and lastly, for price updates, I know you all do your, your homework and your due diligence on uh, pricing, but um, just it's important to do that because you will often see a big spread between grain companies. And for our farm, for Red Spring Wheat, uh, for delivering to Melford, Saskatchewan, as an example, the G3 uh, as of uh, the weekend here was 67 cents a bushel better for a number 113.5. Again, it's a big number, a big spread. So just make sure you're doing that due diligence and uh, know uh, know your prices out there. Uh, from a futures perspective, again, um, I'll just highlight that canola continues its little upward uh, momentum move here, trading as high as six thirty seven. We bottomed out at six ten. Uh, not screaming higher, not a big exciting rally, but going the right direction. And then spring wheat up five cents right at seven dollars, which was a support level uh, that I was watching um, uh, quite closely there and not happy to see it dip below, but a positive day uh, for now. Uh, all right, um, let's go and eat our veggies now. Again, it is the responsible thing to do. This is what I think you could focus on. Uh, number one, unpriced basis contracts in a declining market. Um, Grab your marker, grab a piece of cardboard or a piece of paper and uh, write down the damn plan, all right? There are way too many of these lingering around and you can have a basis contract. You can be bullish for spring. That's fine, but have a plan. Where are you pricing? When are you pricing? Why are you pricing? Write that down. Stick it somewhere that you're going to look at it every single day and have a plan everybody is hoping for the same spring rally i just i don't get a good feeling about it by golly i hope we see it i hope you all get to cash in on a great futures rally in the spring and you know we're laughing all the way to the bank but hope is not a marketing plan what is your plan i don't like seeing all these unpriced basis contracts out there and I will try to get some numbers. I want to figure out how many thousands of tons are on basis contracts and see if I should be terrified or not. Because I am feeling terrified. Maybe I should just breathe and it's fine. Um, all right. Uh, number two, Jan, Feb, March, heavy cash flow months. Winter's arrived, which means delays can start to happen for logistics, uh, truck movement, rail movement, loading vessels. It's all more challenging in the cold temperatures. Um, so just make sure that your cash, your contracts are in line, uh, get your grain uh, moving uh, and get that money in the bank because uh, it's already the end of January here, folks. And uh, um, there's a lot of cash flow needs required here for Feb March. So if you haven't done so already and you need the money, uh, get get on it, make your plan and, and get something contracted. Uh, for me, I would sell my highest margin crop. So probably a pulse. Uh, if you have, if you're sitting on those, um, secure the high margin and sell your pulses. Then I'm selling my wheat, 
just because I'm not overly optimistic in in a big rally until at least spring. And uh, maybe I hold on to canola for a seasonal bump or barley for a seasonal bump as well. But um, I'd sell my pulses and then wheat. Uh, number three, market your 2024 green crops. I'm, I'm talking about the green lentils, the green peas. There's act of gods out there. There's some really strong pricing opportunities. Some of these smaller acre crops, when you get a rebound in production, and I know that we don't know yet if there'll be a rebound in production or what that will look like uh, with this dry winter in front of us here, but uh, grab that act of God, grab that margin, and, and start to set yourself up for profitability here in 2024 and 2025. These small acre crops, when you do have a rebound in production, those prices can drop very quickly and uh, bank some of that margin. Okay. And number four, what are fuel prices doing in your region? Uh, it looks like there's a bit of a an oversupply right now of summer diesel. What does that look like? What prices are you getting offered? I'm not saying that you have to go out and buy your diesel for the season uh, this week, but get a fresh quote, see what numbers pop up, and uh, maybe you'll be pleasantly surprised at what's available for um, diesel uh, buying opportunities out there. Okay, so that's our four things. Uh, for this week that you can work on. Um, that's it for now, folks. I, I am back in studio. I hope to get back to a, a Friday release here with the podcast. That is the goal. Busy schedule of recording. I've got James uh, from Crop Management Network. He's going to join me to talk fertilizer here. I've got David from Marketplace Commodities. We're going to chat feed grains. So look for that in hopefully a Friday-ish episode, maybe later in the day Friday. And then Christy, from Rebellion Farms, uh, she's going to join me and we're going to have a good discussion about what it is like to not get paid on time, have tough conversations with grain buyers and just what uh, what tactics can we can we use? What Where can we find success in extracting money when uh, buyers are slow to pay? Because uh, I don't think it's an isolated situation, unfortunately. And uh, what can we do? Uh, to put ourselves in a better spot in a better position all right folks it's been fun uh take care i'll talk to you again real soon i'm out